0: Hello and welcome back to the Troy Stories Podcast. I'm Adam Maya, and it's Notre Dame week. You might be aware of that. It's a pretty big one. Been looking forward to it for a while. I actually have not been back to South Bend since 2005. That is the only time that I went to this game. But I felt like it was time to go back. And uh, I am joined now by a special guest... Who you are aware of, you're familiar with. You know his work from The Athletic. I'm talking about Antonio Morales. Antonio, how you doing?
1: Good, man. It's time for you to go to South Bend for another 4th uh, and 9 type game, huh?
0: Yeah, I, w- I was there for all that. Uh, I think we might get a good game. I don't know. We'll, we'll talk about that in a moment. But first, I want to talk about you and your story on Marquis Step. And if you have not read this as you listen, please... Stop what you're doing. I don't care if you're in the car. I don't care where you're at, all right? I want you to just put the world on pause, like, stay by the bell, and go online. And if you're not a subscriber to Athletic, then you should probably do that because I don't know how else you would read it. Unless you have a direct contact with Antonio, he hooked me up with a PDF. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell his bosses. Otherwise, you're gonna need to subscribe but this story is worth your subscription. And Antonio does great work otherwise anyway, but a really special story about Marquis' step and a special bond that he'd formed with a young boy uh, in the last few years. Tell us the story, Antonio. Uh,
1: it, I was reporting on a story last week. You know, I talked to Marquis, so I talked to his mom, I talked to his high school coach last week for a story just about him going back to Indiana next week because obviously we all know he was a Notre Dame commit for over a year he recruited a lot of guys to Notre Dame when I was reading people were talking about how how big of a recruiter he was for them in the 2018 recruiting cycle he's
0: from Indianapolis yeah
1: he was like I think he was the first running back they offered in the class and him and Phil Jurkovic their sophomore quarterback were the first two commits in the class and like you said he's from Indianapolis um, so I just was working on a story basically about going back and, and this season, how this season was going for him because I think people were surprised he didn't play, so what what's his mindset been and stuff like that. But then when I was talking to his mom on Friday, she mentioned to me that this family is going to be at the game with them, uh, the, the Stevens family. Uh, Marquise was close to, to Brody Stevens who – died at eight years old. He had two bouts with leukemia. The family says he beat leukemia twice, but complications from chemo and blood transfusions and all that stuff, you know, that's what they said he ultimately died of. Uh, But Marquise had a very, you know, what's turned out to be an enduring relationship with this little kid named Brody, um, who was, you know, a popular figure in the Indianapolis area. Um, guys like Steph Curry visited him uh, Andrew Luck he was really close with Jack Doyle Um, his dad the other night was talking about how they were watching the Chiefs play the Colts and Jack Doyle still had like the Brody strong wristband on (laughs) so he still uh, he had these relationships with these people Uh, in April 2016 Marquise and and Brody met and they kind of hit it off from there Uh, they weren't around the same age Marquise was about 10 years older or so but they they became really attached to each other, and Marquise became really attached to that family. He still texts and tweets with the little brothers now, uh, the, the the brothers of Brody now, the older ones. And uh, and so, you know, he's really, those two families are really connected. And in that time, Marquise vowed to wear number 30 for Brody because that was Brody's favorite number because he loved Steph Curry after he passed and when Marquise turned 18 he was finally allowed to get a tattoo and he got the number 30 Uh, he got a cross tattooed on his right arm with with a rosary and from the rosary's number 30 so it was a very strong attachment it kind of helped Marquise mature a bit in terms of valuing you know relationships and just day to day things that as an 18 17 year old kid you don't normally do so it kinda helped him mature a bit and um just taught him how to how to value things a little bit more and change his perspective. His his mom, uh, Yvette said about you know, just not taking things for granted. Um so that family will be at the game on Saturday and Step will be there at number thirty. He said he might have sixty family or friends there. I um, know the, the family is ordering jerseys, and they'll be wearing those thir- those, 30, those 30 jerseys, and you know, that's going to be for Brody, and that's what Marquise kind of plays for.
0: So they're going to be ordering USC jerseys? Yeah, I think so. Custom, yeah, yeah. get 30. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah, they, they really struck up a deep friendship mm-hmm. in, in a short time, and I was really moved by the story uh from I mean, there's a tattoo there's the wristband there's the fact that he wears number 30 which wasn't his number he yeah. wore in 41 in high school through his junior year mm-hmm. and then like you mentioned he changed to 30 because brody liked 30 because he likes Steph curry mm-hmm. and now marquis made 30 his number mm-hmm. which uh Even that, I think, is something about him to kind of take that to USC. He didn't end up at Notre Dame like he wanted to. And he ends up at USC, and he's still wearing number 30. I guess, what impact do you think that experience and that relationship still has on him right now? I,
1: I asked him yesterday after practice, and he said it's still something he thinks about during games or when he's lifting, about... if. Brody can go through those hard times. Then nothing he really faces is all that bad. This guy, this kid, was fighting cancer, so it's not life or death, you know, in terms of football and some of the other stuff Marquise might be facing right now. It's if, if Brody could fight and tough some of the stuff out that he did, then Marquise feels like he could, he shouldn't complain about anything.
0: Right? Yeah, Marquise has been resilient and. You know, I use that word, and I, I don't want to make light of anything yeah. that that Brody and Stevens family went through. But for, for Marquise individually, he didn't plan to come here, and I know that he was interested because of a connection and relationship that he had with former running backs coach Dylan McCullough, mm-hmm. who. Incidentally, came from the Indiana area, mm-hmm. and uh, you know was coaching there prior to coming to USC and recruited Marquise here. But Marquise had been re- uh, committed to Notre Dame for about a year and a half, mm-hmm. and then gets word in December of 2017, just about uh, before he's about to sign.
1: About two that, weeks before, two or three weeks before. Yeah. The signed Signed right, the
0: period. Right, the, the early one, and and he's informed that they're moving on from him mm-hmm. and, uh, and even then there were rumors about Greggs and that wasn't it You know, mm-hmm. ultimately Notre Dame decided to to drop him uh, we, we don't totally know their thinking with that they did take two other running backs in that class who uh, neither of which are built like Marquise mm-hmm. Marquise is kind of a, a rare build these days for a running back there and a lot of guys that are 6 foot 2 235 but uh, USC is happy to have him of course and uh but so he flipped late to USC and then McCullough left i want to say you know within a couple months
1: yeah within yeah within a couple of weeks a couple of months you know Marquise goes from having dylan the guy who wanted to play for and one of the main reasons he wanted to go to USC. his dad played with dylan at miami of ohio um, so you know, there was that that he dealt with here. Um, he had the the falling out with Notre Dame. Right. Um, then, obviously, he didn't play much his freshman year. Right, was.
0: he barely played much. He did play in the Notre Dame game, <laughs> mm-hmm. but he did not. I think he only had carries in a couple games. Yeah, and
1: then USC adopted the air raid, which isn't an offense that's really, it's really <laughs> yeah built for his skill set. I asked him about that. I was like, well, what? <laughs> What's going through your mind when you to transition to the air raid? He's like, oh, I need to improve as a pass catcher. I need to. Improve. And he did. Yeah, I need to improve as a pass and pass protection and stuff like that. That's, you know, route running and things like that. Um, so, you know, they shifted to this offense that really isn't a, the most ideal fit for him, probably. Right. And then they have this Fresno State game. I think most people, just based off of last year, we expected them to play for your running backs because that's what we all saw last year. We saw Cedric Ware, we saw Stephen Carr, we saw uh, by then, you know, it was only two. And yeah. I, I think I, I feel like if I'm remembering correctly, one of the coaches said that Marquise had earned a bigger role, it uh, earned a role and he just didn't play against Fresno state. Well,
0: uh, Harold outright said that he was their best back in spring. Uh, at that time, Bavai and Carr were both a little banged up at times. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. They were limited at and that Mark point. And Marquise got like
1: a big workload in the spring. Those guys, yeah. guys
0: and he was excellent. It wasn't just that he got the work, but he really looked like maybe one of their better players in offense and definitely ripe, I feel like, ripe for a bigger role. And then he was good in training camp, uh, and he, but he's be behind two veterans, mm-hmm. as you were about to say. Doesn't play in the Fresno State game, yeah. which we knew that he wasn't in position to, you know, get 15 carries yeah. in the game, but didn't even appear. Mm-hmm.
1: And I asked somebody, about it, and he was like, "Yeah, that was tough. It was extremely hard. You know, when you're a competitor, it's that's going to be a tough situation when you feel like you can help the team." And then I asked his mom, and his mom was like, "Yeah, that was difficult for all of us. It was. They all flew out there from Indiana. She hasn't missed a home game since he's been at USC." So that was a hard situation for the family, and I asked, I was like, well, did you think about transferring or anything?" He said, "He didn't. He, he said he hasn't thought about transferring yet. He said there's no reason for him to." But um, uh, his roles increased. He got 10 carries at Washington. He got he ran for 6 for 62 yards. Both were career highs. Um,
0: and they, they like the team.
1: Yeah. So his roles. Have been increased his role has been increasing kind of week by week. the Utah game he didn't play um, it was kind of he the Stanford yeah, I like think he had three carries and then right BYU he had nine, Utah he had three then, right. um, <laughs> yeah he's big up and, yeah, yeah Washington he had 10.
0: he got more in the losses, and I think that's partly the product of them uh, you know having to run more basically <laughs> yeah. in the way that they were being defended.
1: Yeah, and I think. I think this week kind of sets up for the weather is not going to be ideal.
0: No. Um, It can be very cold, mm -hmm. if not a little wet.
1: Yeah. And if you're Notre Dame, Notre Dame has coached well. If you see what Washington and BYU have done to USC, you're going to beg them to run in. USC threw well on Notre Dame last year. They did. So... That left the running that left the running game open a bit. Vi had some good runs in yeah. the first quarter of the game last year and Steph had a couple of good runs. That was like really the only game really played in last year. So I think it it could set up for them to run more of this game and you know, see a guy like Marquise maybe have an expanded role, but Graham Cow said yesterday it's not gonna be increase or decrease. It's gonna kinda be the same, so who knows what, what that's You're going right. Like.
0: Yeah. Very interesting comments. So that, that was kind of the premise of my reporting on Tuesday where I asked both Harold and Clay if Marquis Stepp was ready for an expanded role. And different answers. Harold chalked it up to the, their depth mm-hmm. and said, We have three guys that we feel like all need to be in the game. And therefore, it, it sounded like he wasn't really looking to feature any of them. Mm-hmm. And, and he did have the quote that his role, uh, he, he doesn't think it would be increased or decreased. Which, I'm not even clear on what it is right now exactly. Mm-hmm. I, I can't just go off the Washington game because that was the first time that he had gotten 10 carries. Mm-hmm. But when will he play that's another thing he he's often come in the game late second half fourth quarter he only has one carry in the first quarter this entire season and and that's just all interesting to me because i think he's such a your tone setter and i think a couple of these teams are really kind of not just daring usc to run but like allowing them to
1: and some of these teams you played, played against it's like I think one of the football mottos is you kind of run away from power and you run at speed. Yeah. Like, I think Washington was kind of a, a perfect defense for him to run at. Yeah. Because it's more of a, a faster defense. Um, we'll kind of see. I don't know too much about Notre Dame's defense yet, so just kind to have to see how that matchup plays out.
0: Yeah. Well, we. So their defensive backfield is generating a lot of bugs. Mm-hmm. but. I don't know how much it's been tested. Mm-hmm. And I feel like USC definitely is going to pass first. Mm-hmm. That's who they are. At least that's who they will open the game as being. Yeah. I mean, they even did that with Matt Fink against Washington where they were really pass-heavy in that first quarter. This is a game I do feel like Marquise, even though he won't get the, the 20 carries mm-hmm. that you think he could get or could really thrive with, it could end up being a game that we see more of him. It could be a breakout game. Yeah, it feels not, like it, right?
1: It's not like Notre Dame's like I think they're. I looked it up this morning. I think they're like fiftieth yeah. yards per carry. Like, and,
0: and even that's a little bit skewed by the they're, They have a lot of sacks. Yeah, and they have a good pass rush yeah. and to kind of chip into the rushing yards. But I think that they're probably a little bit vulnerable in their run defense.
1: Yeah, they, I think they held Virginia to four yards rushing. Um, so that's like a big game that kind of changes all the totals. But yeah. Georgia had a lot of success running the ball against them, but obviously Georgia's offensive line is much better than USC's. And it's just a whole different mindset compared to offensively than what USC's is. So it's going to be interesting to see. You know, I think teams are obviously going to beg USC to, to run the ball more. Pittman's been doing so well, making so many big plays. Um, just a matter of USC kind of committing to it and you know, Wanting to establish that and kind of uh, making adjustments?
0: Yeah, I mean, we know that Marquise is not going to start. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that Vivai will get his. Uh, he's gotten the most carries in every game, although in the Washington game, both him and Marquise each had 10. And I think that was really because Marquise kind of demonstrated that he was the hot hand and needed to play more. But uh, it doesn't seem like Marquise was in the game plan to lead them in rushing. What's your hunch for him this weekend? How, how do you feel like he'll be utilized?
1: I think it'll be kind of similar to what it was at Washington BYU. It seems like in the hostile environments when they when they need to make something happen, like they lean on him a bit. It's,
0: yeah, they need a conversion.
1: Yeah, when <laughs> they when they know they need to do something, they they lean on him like Utah, they knew they needed to score that touchdown like to kind of put that game away. Right. So they put him in the game and when BYU they kind of needed that spark. And you know he took the ball three yeah. three times, thirty three yards the first, you know the first drive he got in. And I think Washington they needed they needed something to kind of like stabilize things and kind of settle things down a bit. And this is a tough environment they're going to play in, so I figure he'll kind of be used in the same way. I don't think he'll be used a ton, but I think he'll kind of be utilized in the same way.
0: Incredible stat that came from USC social media this week: mm-hmm. uh, more than half of. Marquise's carries have gone for either a first down or a, or touchdown. a touchdown. right? Yeah. And he has had a lot of uh, short yardage situations, but he keeps converting them as well. Mm-hmm. He's been very reliable. I want ask you, and I think my opinions are pretty well known, although I can share them in a moment, but how would you use him? What would you do with him this week?
1: I'd probably give him more carries than Stephen Carr. I think Stephen Carr has struggled. He hasn't had the best season up until the Washington game. Yeah, he,
0: probably, he had his best game I guess yeah. as a runner in that game.
1: Mm-hmm. I think just in terms of what this offense needs and I, this the side-to-side stuff really hasn't been working well. It's really hasn't generated a ton of a ton of yards. I think Marquis Stepp's running style has been better suited for this offense uh, especially against the teams they've played. I think it'll be better suited against Notre Dame. Yeah. Just um, because the offensive line isn't you know, the greatest and he can break tackles like right that's a it's a big deal when you have an offensive line that isn't consistent at like generating a push yeah um,
0: and where the other two are even if Avai runs really hard and I think mm-hmm. he's uh, just as decisive as a runner
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, he's not as powerful
1: yeah and the thing with Marquis step is you never see him fall backwards
0: no In fact, I think he's been stopped for a loss just once, I want to say, and stopped for no gain once.
1: Yeah, he's always falling forward, even if it's tackling the back. He's always just falling forward, and I I asked him about it, and he was like, yeah, just learning how to position your body and stuff like that. But it's a a really good trait for a running back, (laughs) uh, especially you know, in a running game that's yeah. kind of hit or miss like this one is.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like his sample size is still relatively small, mm-hmm. but I believe 23 of his 25 carries have gone for a positive yardage. like 92%, mm-hmm. which is not nearly the case for the other two. Mm-hmm. The, uh, both Bavai and Carr have been stopped quite a bit at the line of scrimmage or even in the backfield. So... I think personally, given all the elements, given the noise, uh, and, and sometimes the communication breakdown that come with playing on the road, that we've already seen mm-hmm. both at BYU and Washington, I feel like it will be amplified here. It will be louder. It will be bigger. It will be crazier. I would go to Marquis Step early in Opken, and, often. Mm-hmm. and, it, and I, maybe I wouldn't have a, a set number in mind because I don't know how the game will play out, but. I would look to get him involved in that first quarter and I would be prepared. I I'd say I mean, it's not they're only gonna run him. I'm yeah. not acting like you're gonna dispose of the other two. Mm-hmm. But I would make him my my lead back, if not I guess a feature back. I don't know if it's all semantics here, but I think you get where I'm going with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would I would play all three of these guys as well. I'm I'm I think that each one of them bring uh different value right I mean yeah I think Carr needs to be utilized more actually as a receiver on check downs Uh, he's very good in that way very natural he can line up outside he doesn't even have to line up in the backfield so I would get him involved there more and uh, I think Vivai I'm assuming is probably their most trustworthy pass blocker Mm -hmm. which matters because you don't want to You don't want to give away what you're doing. And so that's the other point I wanted to make, where if Harold said that Marquise wasn't playing as much because of depth, Clay intimated that it had more to do with his development and that while he has grown as a receiver and in pass protection, uh, he's behind the other two. And, And I always feel like trust is, if not the number one trait, then right up there that coaches look for when they're deciding on personnel and I I mean I think Marquise according to PFF has been in pass protection one time in the entire season in yeah. all the snaps
1: they they kind of against Washed and it felt like he was in on passing downs more
0: yeah like, but I guess only one time where he was actually like required to do it I want to yeah. say um but yeah, in Washington, it was probably his, his biggest experience. Yeah. Like, more, I guess, more normal experience, like mm-hmm. the full gamut of this is what it's like to play in a game yeah. regularly.
1: But with, when you talk about Harold and Elton, I, I feel like Graham's the more straightforward one. Yeah. In terms of giving you answers and, you know, what's, how he really feels. Um,
0: but he, but he didn't say that he wasn't uh, capable or prepared. Yeah. I, I mean, I asked that directly, and I agree with you in terms of the way that they talk. Where, but Hellcat was actually the one that kind of—not he not that he was making a critique, but he did allude to the fact that he Marquise in is developing, yeah. and that's why we haven't seen him more. Mm-hmm. But, but What do you think? Do you think it's just that they think he's a number three guy, or that he's not ready for as big of a role?
1: I wouldn't say it's a number three guy. I think it's just the, the veterans are— ahead of them and they yeah. like those guys like, I
0: guess number three in terms of how you know they're going to use them yeah
1: just I think they like the pass catching ability of the other guys better than yeah Marquise and like you said by pass protection um, and Steven Carr is a more dynamic the most dynamic receiver of, of the three sure um, I think that's kind of what they weigh more um, in terms of splitting up that rotation time Obviously, and the, the limited carries that Steps got, he's made he's made the most of them. He's
0: yeah, he's, he's been their most productive runner.
1: And he's I think he's averaging like six point three yards per carry on yeah. twenty five carries. Um, so he's made the most of his opportunities. So we'll see how many more he actually gets as as the weeks progress.
0: I kind of feel like they overvalue that pass catching, given that they're not really throwing to the backs that much. And like I said, you could probably emphasize it more with Carr than they even have. But Marquise, to me, is not a liability there. I think he's probably fine. Uh, Hasn't been called upon to do it in games. But from what we saw in training camp... Uh, even from spring, I felt like he was a lot better in that way. I remember him catching a couple wheel routes, even downfield and and did fine. He looked good. In fact, Clay has made uh, reference to Rojo a couple times. That's a bad analogy in my mind. I I got to watch Rojo a lot in the three years up close Mm -hmm. and he was a poor receiver even up until he had his pro day Mm -hmm. where it it was kind of sad just the way he was struggling in that way and it was that as hard as he had worked it just would never be natural for him and never comfortable and really just something that you wouldn't want to do at all with him mm-hmm. and even so they they finally I think came to their senses with Rojo and made him a feature back despite his limitations and so I feel like they're kind of if if that were the reason right we, we don't ultimately know yeah. the, the exact reason why he didn't play more but if that were it I think then they're uh, they're misjudging his ability in that way. And I think uh, just misusing him because even if you don't want to throw him the ball, well, just get the ball in his hands. Hand out the ball to him for all the reasons that we mentioned. Uh, and at, the, at this point, I mean, it's using a 5-0 team where the offense has been near perfect.
1: But at some point, I think they need to play him where it just I feel like when he comes in the game right now, it's defenses know it's going to be a run play. Yeah, it's not like a very even ratio in terms of when he's in the game. Yeah,
0: they're telegraphing.
1: Yeah, so I think they you need can to, play him. Yeah, I think they just need to play him more in order to kind of open that stuff up because right. if I was a defense right now and I saw him in the game, I'd yeah, blow up the box and yeah, because so we know
0: and I mean, he he gets it done, even you know the thirty one or thirty three whatever and mm-hmm. and they bring him in they the defense knows who's going to come and he's still his. Converted. yeah but uh that's a good point i think just getting him out there more not even necessarily handing him the ball off like i said you have to be 25 times i would do that but i'm not expecting that and i i guess i, I understand why they wouldn't but just getting him out there for more snaps mm-hmm. so that uh he is i think ready ready yeah. to to handle all the responsibilities there's really no better uh, i guess Uh, experience than game experience Mm -hmm. in my mind let's move off that for a moment and uh, let's talk about Keaton Slovitz native uh against triumphant return if you will Mm -hmm. back to practice he's been back actually for about a week but uh, last week it was a bit lighter it was a bye week Um, not that quarterback is involved in contact but they weren't even tackling last week Mm -hmm. Uh, this week full pads on Tuesday Keaton's out there he's been cleared he's getting the start what do you expect from him at Notre Dame?
1: I think it's going to be tough it's going to be a tough environment that he's never really played in Him and Harrell haven't been in a road environment like that, so it's hard to know really what to expect. Uh, Notre Dame is really good at taking the ball away. Um, Keenan struggled um, in that regard. Protecting the ball? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. All USC's quarterbacks have. Um, I think it's going to be tough. So that's a good defense they're playing, and... um,
0: you sound really confident. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so just um, you know, it's kind of wait and see. I think USC will put up some points. Uh, yeah. I think there'll be some turnovers mixed in there, um, especially when you're a true freshman in the in an environment like that. He didn't get the warm up of having to play Washington. Ooh, that wasn't good. Yeah, before this, he had mm-hmm. BYU, which wasn't a full stadium. Um, then it was it was hot over there. Um, the weather at Washington will probably mimic a little bit more what they'll see at Notre Dame this weekend. Yeah, um, I
0: mean, it will be even colder. But yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Um, so that I just think that Washington game, you know, he can help getting cussed, but that would have been a really good warm up for him for for a game like Notre Dame.
0: Yeah, and, and it, as you say that, it really speaks to the fact that we we don't really know what to expect. Mm-hmm. Uh, not because we're trying to hedge here. But because he only played 10 quarters. Yeah. He played one full road game. Mm-hmm. And one and a half home games.
1: Yeah, and they I kind mean, they kind of like shut down the, the offense like in the fourth quarter of
0: Fresno State. Fresno or, State. Yeah, and he played the Stanford game. Yeah, and he played two plays versus Utah. You could throw mm-hmm. them away. Mm-hmm. He, and that, that first two quarters versus Fresno State, when they were holding a lead, I don't think those were very informative. Yeah, he just got two games, mm-hmm. one on the road, one at home. They were pretty different, although his accuracy was good in both. Mm-hmm. But the Stanford game. I mean, obviously, he, he didn't have any interceptions. Mm-hmm. BYU, he had three. Uh, so, it's hard to make a prediction. I'd like to think that he'll play well, because I think he's really good. Mm-hmm. And I think that he's the type of player that, not, not it, nothing's linear here, but every experience is going to really matter for him. Mm-hmm. And I think more often than not, he's going to play well. Yeah, and I, I
1: like, I just think the rough thing was, like, he's missed... He hasn't played in three weeks. Yeah. And those are reps that are... In really retired. a
0: month. I mean, if yeah. you just count two plays for Utah, or yeah. card them rather. Yeah. It's been a month since that BYU game. Mm-hmm.
1: So, just, it's a, just a tough thing to ask your two freshman to go in there and win when he hasn't played in three weeks. And he didn't really do anything physically. And, like, that, were, that was heavier until this week. Um, so, I think it's, a, it's just a tough ask.
0: Now... He does have the personnel you, you would say okay. to to do well, and a lot of a lot has been made about how USC Notre Dame played last year, and you know, people want to look at especially the first half mm-hmm. in that game where it was kind of a I mean, it wasn't the air raid right I mean, that, that wasn't yeah. what what Hilton and T Martin were doing, but they were airing it out, mm-hmm. and they were really successful, and they were basically. Their efforts were spoiled by a couple of fumbles. Mm. USC only scored 10 points in that first half, despite the fact that J.K. threw for, I believe, nearly 250 yards. Yeah,
1: they had like a, a red zone turnover, and then Pittman fumbled in Notre Dame territory while they were driving. Right. Um, they could have put up more points, but obviously they didn't, and turnover has been an issue this year. Um, so that maybe be something that carries over. Um, but yeah, I
0: mean, yeah do, you, do you put much into that, into, like, what happened there? I, I know you've asked about it, you know, people are um, wondering about it. Just a
1: little, it. but like, like Graham Harrell was saying yesterday, it's, the offenses are different.
0: Yeah. It's, different quarterback, too, yeah,
1: obviously. They're preparing for something different than what USC was doing last year.
0: It might not be, I don't think they were prepared for that I mean yeah. it, it really if you look at the was a kill of two halves and in second half they basically shut down USC's offense yeah
1: they they really sat on the shorter routes right in the second half and that's what JT was just killing them on yeah early in the game so it'll be interesting to see what kind of approach Notre Dame takes this time around is it going to be taking away Pittman deep and Vaughn's deep and those guys making plays or is it going to Leave the middle of the field open. Uh, the cover threes worked against uh, USC pretty well, it, even though Washington Washington kind of did that weird thing where they had a, a corner and they had a safety lined up like right behind them. You don't right. see, you don't see that yeah. like ever. Um, so teams have taken unique approaches against USC, and I don't I really don't know what to expect from Notre Dame.
0: I don't either because. They've been so good in their defensive backfield, and I don't think they've had to do anything drastic to accomplish that. Mm-hmm. And it would kind of remind me of Utah, where you know, they have a good secondary. People mm-hmm. might not think this, given the way that game played out, yeah. but that game's been kind of an outlier for them. I mean, look at the way that they shut down Washington State,
1: she's mm-hmm.
0: just right after playing USC. Uh, so I wonder if Notre Dame will maybe go into the game looking to do it their way and then you know maybe they'll be prepared to to switch things up you know much quicker than, than Utah was mm-hmm. and, and maybe more like Washington where they could kind of throw different punching cut yeah
1: different looks um, I think Clark Lea's Notre Dame defensive coordinators have you know done really well in his or I think it's two seasons on the job uh, they haven't really played many passing attacks right so it's hard to kind of gauge how good their secondary really is. I, I, I'm really high on Jake Fromm, but it's not Georgia's mindset. It's not, yeah. we're going to air it out. It's, we're going to beat you up on the ground. And they had a lot of success doing that. When Fromm needed to make some throws late in the game, he was able to. Uh, so we'll see. That's a, that's a third-year starter. And this is a true freshman. He's making his third start, or third or fourth start. So it's, it's a lot of different circumstances.
0: What do you think USC is going to try to do then? Uh, we we kind of talked about you know Keaton and about Marquise, but ultimately, what do you think will be their game plan to to win this game offensively, <laughs> specifically?
1: I think it'll be like a mix of intermediate throws and and some some more running the ball. Um, I think Notre Dame will. Probably try to take away the deep stuff. I would assume every team's going to try to do that. Utah tried to do it. They just didn't do it well. Uh, Washington, that was their main focus. I think everybody knows the main thing with USC is their explosiveness. I think they'll try to limit that. I think it's going to. I think USC is going to need to kind of hit the intermediate stuff, which has been hard um, for them because they haven't been able to. Fink wasn't able to do that well against, U against U and. Um, in Keaton, Keaton versus BYU. Yeah, Keaton kind of struggled with it. So it's going to be interesting to see. And Fink's success against Utah was all you know, basically deep, downfield. deep plays. Um, so I think USC hasn't shown it, but I think they'll try to do the intermediate stuff and mix the run in there.
0: Yeah, it feels like they have to. It's hard to live off of downfield passes. <laughs> But I, I, I go back to the running game. I think if you're able to establish that first, then you can kind of do what you want from there. You know, It opens up play action if they want to do. Uh, I think it, it opens up opportunities downfield. And if you're hitting downfield, then you can hit them intermediate. Yeah. It, it kind of, it, one dominant will not go over the other. But USC seems to kind of want to come into each game starting with the intermediate throws and that's how they got Stanford, uh, I don't think that that will be there. or I mean, we don't know yet, but I think they just need to be prepared to kind of try to beat Notre Dame differently mm-hmm. because I think that's kind of been there. I mean, that's how they beat Fresno State, too. That's what J.K. was doing. And it worked in that game. It worked in the Stanford game. Uh, in Utah, we didn't really even see it. Mm-hmm. I mean... Keaton completed his first two passes, which were both underneath, and then Fink came in and immediately went downfield. I think on back-to-back throws.
1: Yeah, I think, especially in this game, I think quicker passes will be more more important just because this is a good defensive line they're facing, too. They are,
0: right. And that's the other thing. Are they going to be able to even keep Keaton upright and, you, and keep him on keep, the field? They need
1: to keep Keaton. He was <laughs> a so, concussion two weeks ago Right. upright, so right. I would expect quicker Quicker trials in this game.
0: Yeah, and then, and so I, I, re, I, mean, I realize that. And, and but with that said, it might not be that simple early on if they're if they're kind of taking that away, mm-hmm. and it, and you have to assume that they would. And if they do, then maybe you have to start out even trying to beat them downfield. But I would say I, run the ball, R- run the ball in that first quarter, and and show. I mean. And don't give up on it. I feel like sometimes uh, they've kind of run into the last resort, Mm -hmm. um, or they haven't really committed to it early in games. And like I said, they really have only done it against BYU and Washington, and they did it late. And they did it. Washington they were down fourteen nothing already. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think you just you really need to. To kind of anticipate what, what they're going to do and, and what they're going to try to take away given what you're good at.
1: It almost seems like the USC offense kind of needs to be more patient. Yeah. Though, because they obviously want the big plays, but teams are going to beg them to go five yards downfield, like one throw at a time or one run at a yeah. time. Yeah,
0: Keegan's alluded to that.
1: Yeah, so I think it's just a matter of them being more patient in order for them to have success and avoid those turnovers. So. Yeah. Just because teams are going to take away the deep stuff and they're going to leave the, the check down to the running back open. Right. They're going to leave three men on the line of scrimmage and ask them to run the ball. Um, so I think it's a matter of them being being more patient and taking what's there.
0: That's a good point. We've learned that they have a script for those first 10 to 15 plays, which mm-hmm. is very, very common. I basically have always heard that uh, with teams I've covered. I, om- I almost feel like they need to be prepared to jump off that script.
1: I mean, it's worked well. They've scored until Washington. Up until
0: Washington, yeah. right. But I think they've, now that there's a good amount of tape on them, uh, I think as they get deeper into the season, people are going to be you know, more comfortable with how to defend them. Mm-hmm. And if they, if, if they have the personnel to do it, and it extends the reason that Notre Dame does. Now, maybe they don't. Maybe USC can just beat Notre Dame uh, on talent. I don't know, but scheme wise, I feel like they need to be prepared to 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 maybe have a plan B and get into it a little bit quicker than they have. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially on the road, they, that's where they've been tripped up. I don't think that's entirely a coincidence, even though, again, I don't know what the road will mean for Keaton Slovis as an individual. I do know what it means for USC. There's a long track record now uh, over the last year and a half of their struggles on the road as a team, but uh, especially in offense.
1: Yeah, it's. You know, I'm not expecting much from this game. I think it'll be competitive, but uh, you know, I don't expect them to have all, this, all the success in the world this game, so... Well, what is your prediction? I think I think it's going to be competitive. I don't think they're going to get blown out. I just don't think the the defensive line. I think the defensive line is good enough to where this team's not going to really get blown out. Teams might have success on the edges and stuff like that, but I don't think anybody's just going to kind of obliterate them like Notre Dame did two years ago. Yeah, I I think they're physical enough to kind of handle it. Uh, I think you know they they're obviously a flawed team. Uh, they make a lot of mistakes. I, if, I had to, if I had to peg it, I would say like 34-24 Notre Dame.
0: Okay. So, are you more confident right now in the offense or the defense? Or are I'm, I'm you not, kind of not not, the same?
1: I'm not very high on the defense. I just haven't. Been. I just think they're they just really they're just really undisciplined and like they don't contain the edges well. Uh, they don't tackle well. Um, they just. You know, there's a lot of stuff they can fix. I know, I know some people have been like, uh, the, the offense is a disaster, but you have had three different quarterbacks in five games. Right.
0: Well, <laughs> people think that the defense is a disaster apparently too. Um, like, like I said, we
1: know what the defense is going to give them every game. We've talked about this before. It's going to be like somewhere between 24 to 31 points. It's a matter of if the offense uh, scores more. Um, right now, I think – the defense played well against Washington, but like I told you, like, I was not high on Jacob Eason. So, so,
0: um, You're right. So, Stanford is the low, right? 20?
1: Yeah. Yeah, Stanford's the low. Fresno scored
0: 23. And BYU's the high at 30? Thirty. Um, so, between 20 and 30 L five games yeah. I hadn't even thought about that so it's you, you know See, the Washington game I, I don't mean to interrupt you here but I think they played really well they, had, yeah. they obviously had a really bad play but they were dealing with a short field a lot of that game mm-hmm. and they were dealing with an inept offense yeah. for a lot of it
1: it's, it's, it's tough because you're you're judging the the defense like it's like a, a Matt Fink led offense and I think it I think a Keaton side offense is better than the Matt Fink one. So just you know, right now I think it's I think the defense would be the bigger concern coming into this game. I think they're still gonna score points. I think the offense is still gonna score points, just a matter of how many and if the defense is good enough stops.
0: So bigger concern defense, but more question offense.
1: Yeah, just because Keaton hasn't played in yeah. nearly a month. Um, and he's never been in an environment like this.
0: Yeah, and we we ultimately don't know how much they'll actually run the ball. mm -hmm. And I mean, even when they've run the ball well, I feel like they haven't run the ball enough.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they haven't been. It's not something they're really uber committed to. Yeah. Um, But you know, it's uh, there's a lot of questions on both sides of the ball.
0: All right. Well, I'm going to give you my prediction. I've been tempted to go with USC, I think because I just believe in a lot of their players. But I wouldn't be willing to put money on it and so, yeah. with any prediction, that's kind of like my, my cardinal rule that mm-hmm. I give publicly. If, if I wouldn't bet on it, then I'm not going to tell you that I think they're going to win. Mm-hmm. But I do think that this game has a good chance of being very competitive. And final scores can can be misleading, yeah, can be but scary. I think we're going to get something in the the spirit of a thirty four twenty seven type game, mm-hmm. like a one possession game uh, or you know seven to ten points. Yeah,
1: um, yeah. I don't think I don't think going to get blown out. This team plays harder than last year's team did.
0: It's just better though. Yeah, it, yeah it, I it mean, just, yeah, it plays harder, but it's, it's, it's just a better it's
1: team. Out. Yeah, that's a uh, It's a higher ceiling for this year's team. Yeah. Those 2018 guys, that...
0: Like, 2018's team could have not won this game. Yeah. This team can win this game. Mm -hmm. I know that they're big underdogs. I I don't view them as being, you know, two touchdowns worse than Notre Mm -hmm. Dame. But it it is going to be difficult.
1: Yeah, it seems like this team always just has a puncher's chance.
0: Yeah. If they were playing at home, Mm -hmm. I I probably would pick them. Put it that way.
1: Yeah, this team just always seems like it has a puncher's chance. As in last year, like... They went to Utah, we knew they weren't going to win that game.
0: Yeah, right. Um, in fact, they, they did play Notre game better than I thought they would.
1: Yeah. But I just same. knew they wouldn't win. Yeah, exactly. You knew something would happen in the second half to where the offense would slow down. and It just seemed like they had a, puncher, they have a puncher's chance against everybody this year. Last year, was more predictable.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, uh, that does it. Uh, thank you for joining us here on Troy Stories. And like I said at the top, be sure to check out Antonio Morales' work at The Athletic. You can check out my work at Sports Illustrated. The new URL there is si.com slash college slash USC. And uh, I have a lot of coverage uh, already on this game and a lot more coming. So please uh, be sure to, to jump on the site and uh, enjoy. I'll talk to you next time.